parenting is the hardest job in the world, as many of you know. Um, but I think what's different and impactful about this model is it helps the adults slow down a bit and really look at what's happening in the situation when the child's displaying a behavior you are wanting to help them change. Inform, educate, advocate. This is your source for all things early childhood. From nurturing healthy development to overcoming behavioral challenges and recognizing mental health needs. Welcome to Centering Kids, advice from the experts at the Florida Center for Early Childhood. Picture this, a full classroom of active four-year-olds, a teacher losing her patience from a child requiring all the attention, acting violently, throwing toys, screaming incessantly, and hitting anyone who comes close. In this environment, the teacher is not able to teach and the disrupted classroom is not a place of learning. This is an actual classroom scenario that spurred a teacher to create Flip It!, a strategy that helps caregivers, parents, and other early childhood professionals respond to challenging behaviors in children ages three to eight. Hi, I'm Marib Favorite, your host for Centering Kids, advice from the experts at the Florida Center for Early Childhood. Filling in for Kristen Tyson. Today, our guest is Dr. Jonna Bren, Director of Training and Professional Development at the Florida Center. Hi, Jonna. We're so happy to have you. Hi, Marib. I'm happy to be here. Jonna has been teaching Flip It in the Sarasota community in order to help promote a more peaceful child-adult interactions, reduce school expulsion, and mitigate other negative outcomes associated with challenging behaviors. That's certainly important work. Absolutely. When children act out, it can have a domino effect in the classroom and impede learning for other students. However, as the teacher that created Flip It learned, these actions are really just a cry for help from students who are confused by their feelings and emotions, and they're yearning for positive attention from an adult role model. I find it fascinating that the person who created this model was in the classroom, in a preschool classroom, working with a young girl named Haley, uh, who experienced a lot of foster care placements and um, some instability in her young life, and she became very violent with other students and with the teacher as well. And through this model that we'll learn today a little bit about, the teacher eventually became a social worker because she became so passionate about this model and the effectiveness of helping kids in changing their behaviors. That is so interesting. And I think like as an adult, you know, when you're experiencing these violent behaviors, your first instinct is to kind of like yell out. But that's that's not what flip it is, correct? Correct. That would be a flop it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little bit about the principles of flip it? Yes. So flip it is an acronym F L I P that stands for feelings, limits, inquiries, and prompts. These are the four steps, and there's nothing. So it's nothing uh, groundbreaking. It is uh, actually old-fashioned in some of its thinking, but it is very powerful in helping children think and explore on how to change their behaviors. That's awesome. Can you discuss um, the four steps? You mentioned it was an acronym. Yes. So, and they are pretty much in order when working with a child. So what I do like about the model is while it's nothing um, groundbreaking, it's it's very effective and helpful and provides the adult these four steps that's quickly 
can be um, thought about and used in the moment. So if you think of flip, F for feelings, L limits, I inquiries, and P prompts. So the first step would be to explore the feelings with the child and, and help them understand how they're feeling and what they're feeling. So it's actually uh, the only time that I have seen that you do not go in order is if there's a safety issue. So the safety issue, if they're hurting themselves or others, you may need to uh, jump in and provide those limits for the child first. Um, but you do go in order. So feelings in for the adult to observe the feelings and maybe look at like Mary, if she's breaking crowns, you'd say, oh, Mary, it looks like you're angry as you break those crowns and help her recognize and identify her feelings and help her explore that. Then provide a limit and say, in this classroom or in this house, we take care of our crowns and we treat them nicely. And what else can we do? So you give them a limit and then a positive limit of what they can do. And then inquiries is something that you want to ask them a question. What would an example of a, a limit be? So a limit would be some, giving the child uh, limits on what they can do, not what they can't do. If you see them running, you would say, and you don't want them to run in the house or the classroom, you would encourage them that our feet are for walking and, um, letting them know what they can do. Um, if they have a lot of energy, maybe directing them to another activity um, like Play-Doh or something else that they can do. So you're saying when my kids are, you know, wrestling in the living room and I'm afraid they're going to knock over a lamp or something, I should say, can you please go run around outside? Or is there, you know, a more appropriate place for you to do that? <laughs> Yeah, so once you've talked with the child about how they're feeling, and then you would go into the limits. So you can remind them of the positive limits and expectations you have for them. So just it's a constant reminder and a consistency within letting them know what your limits are in that moment. So, but being loving and having those simple limits will help uh, build that trust with the child. So this whole model also is built upon that solid foundation you have and in, in trust and safety you have with the child. So this model will only go as far as the bond you have with the child as well. So it's something to keep in mind to always strengthen that and to reflect on that. That's awesome. So we mentioned that a teacher adopted this strategy. Are there any other uses for Flip It other than in the classroom? Yes, actually, I have worked with a group of parents uh, with this model to help them in the homes as well. And providing that consistency and safety for the child through this model is very effective. Um, I've worked with a local organization, JFCS, Jewish Family Services here in Sarasota, with some of their parenting groups. And it has had great feedback and the parents of young children and even some teens, even though that this is directly directly relating to younger children, the concepts really can be used at any age um, to provide that consistency of structure and safety and love for the child. We were just talking about Flip It and how, you know, raising your voice can kind of be a scary, possibly traumatic experience. Um, and I wanted to mention that on the, on the um, Disney Channel, there's this very cute short film about, um, it's called Under the Tree or something. It was about two raccoons. And it was kind of about this raccoon experiencing 
um, her mother was concerned with her safety because she had been attacked by this coyote. And instead of like explaining that, she yelled at the child. And then as a generational effect, the mom brings her child there and it's like the same kind of thing. And then she realizes that she's, you know, doing this, this is traumatic for the kid there. She's yelling and screaming and she sees her shadow and she realizes. And so it's really interesting because those generational things, you know, follow us and how we parented. So it's so important to be loving in those instances, especially when you are concerned or, you know, concerned with a child's safety, like, you don't want them to go in the road. Um, does that something that you kind of teach and flip it? Yeah. So I do think, you know, a lot of parent parenting is the hardest job in the world, as many of you know. Um, but I think what's different and impactful about this model is it helps the adults slow down a bit and really look at what's happening in the situation when the child's displaying a behavior you are wanting to help them change. And what I like about this model is, like Marib said, we can perhaps parent in a way that we were parented or different generational uh, techniques that have gone down from your parents to you. And so it's really slowing some of that down and looking at the process and how you are interacting with your child or student if you're a teacher what I like about this model is, so I talked about the feelings, the limits, and the third step is inquire. And it provides the ability for, it provides the opportunity for the child to have the ability to explore some of the the feelings that they have in problem solving on their own. I think as a parent, we just kind of want them to do what we want them to do in that moment. But this model really empowers the child and teaches the child to problem solve on their own, which it takes some extra time as a parent and that takes a little extra energy. But if you do this consistently and provide that to them, they will start to pick it up and you can help them learn. So inquire, once you help them understand their feelings and explore that and let them know what the limits are and what you're looking for, and then you can inquire. So that's a question you're going to ask them. For instance, um, maybe Mary's breaking the crayons. You let her know that's not what is needed and we treat our, our things nicely. And you would ask her, Mary, how do you think we can fix this? What do you think we can do instead? Is there another way to, you know, so we want to put that back on the child, even young children start to help them explore. And so that's what the inquire step is. And again, if it's difficult for them, that's when the prompt, the very last step is giving them a couple of options and prompt them. Well, maybe when I'm upset, maybe I need to go for a walk. So you can even use some some uh, examples that help you in those moments as well. Well, that's really interesting. And I think, um, you know, going back to that example, instead of saying like, you know, do this because I told you so, you can kind of give them a reason or, you know, inquire as to why they're acting like that in the first place. Yeah. And what's, you know, as adults, we know that sometimes we don't even know how we're feeling, what we're feeling sometimes. And it takes us a while to understand what we're, what's happening with us emotionally and then how we want to respond. So just imagine a child, they're not going to have that patience, that intelligence to really slow down and say, okay, this is what I'm feeling. And so we have to help them and, and equip them with tools to 
have insight into their own feelings and help them problem solve into how to handle those feelings in a constructive and healthy way. And you don't just teach Flip It. Can you tell us a little bit about the Training Institute and the offerings that you guys provide? Absolutely. So I'm excited to have been with the Training Institute the past couple of years here at the Florida Center. And it really took off at the at the beginning of a pandemic, which is a silver lining because we were able to offer many uh, trainings online for parents, adoptive parents, foster parents, as well as uh, early childhood professionals, teachers, therapists, even in the medical field. We've helped um, some hospitals understand topics like FASD. Um, we have another training in neurobehavioral training this starting this week um, with Tamara Chayo, our director of our FASD clinic. Um, so we have a lot of variety of topics focusing on early childhood and showcasing the amazing staff here at the Florida Center. And they are, with years of experience, bringing to the forefront some tips and and lessons that they have for a variety of audiences. Now, if you were a parent and you wanted to sign up for one of your classes, um, how would you do that? And you can kind of explain how Flip It works and then also the Training Institute if you want to. Yeah, so for the Training Institute, you can go to thefloridacenter.org, and we have a link there, or you can go directly to floridacentertraining.org and see our calendar of trainings for that we have this year. For Flip It, I've actually worked with JFCS on this one in particular, but they do have a great website. Um, I think it's more, let me double, yes, moreflipit.org. So that's M-O-R-E-F-L-I-P-I-T.org. And it's actually out of a center for resilient children called Devereaux Advanced Behavioral Health. So this is actually out of Pennsylvania that um, they house this, this model. And there's actually a lot of uh, resources at moreflipit.org. And I know parents have enjoyed going there. There's there's more videos on how to implement this model. And there's uh, PowerPoints, little, if you want to just do a screenshot of the Flip It model and the diagram, it's definitely helpful and a reminder on how to intervene with your children. Do you have any uh, examples or feedback from some of the parents or teachers that have gone through Flip It training or... Um, I've, yeah, as I mentioned, I've done this uh, a little while with parent groups. And it's interesting to me that it has been effective with all ages. We have had some that have more than one child. So they may have like a four year old, but they also have a 15 year old. And the, the concepts that we're dealing with here really can be used to, like I said, as adults, it takes some time for us to uh, get in touch with our feelings sometimes. But if we had like a mentor to help ask us questions, we may have gone to our own therapist or our own mentor and had questions asked to us, which helped us reflect and grow. And that's really what it is. So that's what's really phenomenal that I've seen is parents say that this type of model and these questions and uh, work at different ages. And so I think that's exciting. Could you, I know you kind of used an example, but can you use another an example of a question that you might ask the a child whenever they're acting out? Yeah, so inquiry really looks at um, helping them explore on their own, like problem solve. So another question 
you could ask is, what is a friendly way you could do this task at hand or color? Maybe if Mary is still breaking the crayons, maybe asking her what is a friendly way you could color and keep the crayons safe? Um, Or what are we going to do to make this work? How could we make this fun? So just helping them understand that there's more ways than the behavior that you're seeing and helps them explore positive behaviors. So instead of just saying, don't do it. Correct. You're inquiring about. Helping them problem solve what are other ways to do it. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you want to add about Flip It or the Training Institute or any of your own experience that you want to share? I think that covers it. Thank you all for listening. And I would just uh, say continue this great endeavor you're on on raising our next generation and just have patience with yourself and them and keep exploring together on their emotional and behavioral journeys. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for all this information, Jonna. It's really important that we as adults recognize how we can respond to children rather than react. This is all super useful, and I will put all the websites that you mentioned in the podcast in our uh, show notes. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Centering Kids. You can visit the Florida Center for Early Childhood online at www.thefloridacenter.org to learn more and subscribe to this podcast. Have comments or suggestions for a show topic? Email us at podcast at thefloridacenter.org. Thanks again for joining us for Centering Kids, where early childhood experts give you tips and tools to help center children, foster their healthy development, and build stronger families.